Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. I'm your host, Bill T, and this is episode 68, Ross Wolf. Ross Wolf's a new company that's coming out, started by some VW enthusiasts with a desire to make some better level products out in the game. So we've got a good long podcast with these guys today. We talk to Jared and Jason, the founders of this company, and we get get their insight, their VW story, and also why they decided to start this company. Uh, real quick, I wanted to give a few shout outs. Shout outs to Steve Peter and Brent Finley. Both guys supported the podcast by buying some swag on the website. Uh, Matthew Ward, he left a message on Instagram about uh, how he listened to the podcast about importing cars from Brazil. Ended up importing uh a nice little car from our guy Brian Hamrick. Justin Shepard from Lufnink gave us a message on uh, Instagram about how much he's enjoying the podcast. And also Stacey Beauchamp on the podcast left me a message said that he went and bought an EFI setup off of uh, our boy AJ Sims after listening to the podcast. So that's the reason for the podcast. Keep you guys up and going in respect to what's new, what's cool, and what kind of stuff you can do so don't forget to hit us up leave us a review on apple podcasts uh, it helps more people searching for vw related podcasts to find this podcast and also you get a shout out on let's talk dubs also our first sponsor for the 67 bug is going to be loud luggage loud luggage out of arizona is going to be getting us a loud luggage set up for the 67 giveaway bug so we're pretty stoked about that and shout out to him don't forget check out his website and he's got some pretty dope luggage that's got some speakers, built-in amplifiers, and some Bluetooth connectivity. So I'm sure we'll get him on the podcast soon enough and uh, knock it out of the box and talk about what he's building and bringing to the VW scene. Other than that, fellas, let's get ready for the podcast. A good one, a long one to, to, to soak up some of that coronavirus time you guys got out. Stay safe, guys. Enjoy the podcast. Later. So on today's podcast, I've got two guys here that I met a little while ago. I met Jason a little while ago, and then I met Jared later in the VW scene, both enthusiasts, got to talking over time. These two gentlemen that I'm bringing on the podcast today have decided to uh, unveil some new product lines they have with a company called Ross Wolf that's going to be on the market soon with a lot of a wide variety of product. And what the first thing we want to talk about is Jason Weiler from now Las Vegas. Correct. Jared Winton from Vancouver, BC. So guys, welcome to the podcast today. Thank you. So uh, so there's this is a long process of a story. And the way we usually start the podcast is we usually get your VW story of how both of you got in the VW scene. So we'll start with our guest from the north real quick. And we'll talk to Jared first. And then we'll get into Jason. And then we'll talk about how all this comes together with Ross Wolf. So... What is your VW story? Uh, it started when I was 14. Um, me and my brother wanted to get a get a car, so we went and bought our first Beetle um, for, I think it was about 100 bucks. This is 1970, 71. Um, I pretty well took the thing apart one summer into a million pieces and then threw it away um, <laughs> because it was just too rusty to uh, move forward with it. So then... I searched for another one, uh, picked up a 70 with moon discs and six little 1641. 
I lowered it, ripped out the interior, put uh, aluminum dash in it as you did back then. Classic. <laughs> and uh, drove that thing around for for a ton of time. Um, my my dad was a drag racer, um, hot rodder, so we uh, so we were always into cars. We started going down to Bug Nationals in, in Seattle um, in the late 80s. Um, he'd race the Friday night races with his 81 Lamar wagon, the family station wagon. We nice. put a big Wood panel. Put a big 350 in it, and uh, he raced that on Friday, and then we uh, did Bug Nationals for the rest of the weekend. Um, so I've always been into Volkswagens from when I was a kid. And then I, um, I moved into selling parts at swap meets as well. Um, I'd go to Wreckers and uh, strip. The guy would, he said I could take any part off the car except the transmission. So I went with a gas axe and I cut the axles to take and the, and the rear spring plate so I could take the whole rear brake assembly. Oh, wow. uh, I just stripped every beetle and every beetle that was in there and then started going to swap meets down to Puyallup. Um, Seattle SIR and uh, in Vancouver too and I did that for I bought a bunch of cars and sold parts for probably five years and so you, you're pretty actively involved in the north the Pacific Northwest scene up there yeah but never joined a, never joined a club right but but I mean people from that area would recognize you from seeing it at swap meets and always out there peddling parts yeah so that so you so so you started getting into selling parts, moving a bunch of you stuff, and obviously when you start going down that road of of peddling parts, part of your focus is like what's the most rare, what's the most expensive, and then it starts you going down that research path. I was selling mainly just the stock stuff. There wasn't that many. All these cars were already stripped quite a bit, mm-hmm. so I was I was pulling off. Um, like rear, like drums and front beams, well, but ages, ashes, and that kind of stuff. But my point of what I'm talking about is, I know that you've done some studying on parts books and things like that to know the difference between like a a sixty and a sixty one windshield washer and all these types of little nuances, and and you kind of geek out a little bit about that stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's the um, there's a one one book that has all the changes for every year in the back of the book, and I, I just studied that a lot. So you could pick up a windshield squirter and be like, oh, this is a June of 61 uh, windshield squirter. And then this gas pedal was used from 63 to 62, like all the slight nuances, which which knowing that it's interesting because most people think looking at Volkswagens from a, a 60 to 64, that they're all pretty much the same and not realizing that there's hundreds of changes between those years. Definitely. And then... Um... Then I moved on to, uh, I bought a 66 uh, 11 window, split window, and uh, did a restoration on that, sort of a backyard restoration. This was early 90s, so there wasn't a lot of sheet metal out there, so I did do some stuff. uh, I made it work. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Drove that around, went, used to go surfing and stuff so me and my friends would hop in that thing and we'd go up to Tofino and go surfing and down to Westport and stuff and surf it was just a surf wagon and um that was pretty cool for a while and then uh I had a beetle sitting in parts for that I was going to restore for 20 years that just sat there and I finally got that one done and flipped it and yeah just been 
in the scene for a long time now. So I've just had a real desire and, and engagement in the VWC and always just in, enjoyed it as a hobby. Yeah, definitely. And now, Jason, what what's your VW story? How did you get into Volkswagens? Well, when I was uh, when I was younger, uh, used to go up to Canada quite a bit, um, and uh, since Jared and I are second cousins once removed, yeah. um, so it's my my mom and his dad are actually cousins, and uh, that's actually where we vacationed. Uh, we would just basically drive up from Seattle and and uh, hang out at their place and you know, they had quite a bit of property um, and a lot of cars uh, you know his dad was you know big influence on kind of looking at cars and then of course hanging out with Jared and his brother you know th- these guys were car crazy and from early on from the time that we kind of played around with Hot Wheels and Matchbox cars to I mean the, the focus was on cars and I, I I was always kind of that way as well without kind of the hands-on experience that, that they had mechanically. Yeah. Uh, so we'd go up there. I remember, uh, you know, I think it was 86. Uh, his dad's got a, a 66 Chevelle, um, a Malibu SS. And we went with no seatbelts in the back. It was me and Jared and his brother uh, in the back seat, and my dad and, and his dad uh, and just, you know, he was just dropping that throttle right. on that Chevelle. And it Flogging was, it with a uh, car full of kids. It was, yeah. I love and it. And we're getting thrown around in the back seat. Again, no seat belts or anything. And just, you know, we're getting thrown around in this thing. And, you know, my dad and, and, and smiles on everybody's faces. And, and so that, you know, those kind of experiences with some level of hot rodding was, you know, kind of big on me. Uh, so when... When I turned 16, I started kind of driving up there on my own, and I would hang out with his with his brother, who's who's older um, than Jared, and and I'm I'm two years younger than Jared, so you know it's a, there's a big age gap. Uh, but I, I would go and hang out with his brother because uh, he had a, a Vega wagon uh, with a 327, and essentially it was just all about street racing right. back then. So, uh, you know, I was 16, so I, I just jammed the car for a weekend, head up, uh, cross the border and then essentially hang out with his brother and we'd hunt for races. Um, and, uh, you know, that was, that was a ton of fun. Um, yeah. and so, you know, they were, they were always building cars and building race cars. Um, so, you know, that was, it was kind of fun for me to kind of look at that and never really getting my hands dirty, but just kind of hanging out with it. Kind of, it, it left a big impression on me. So as kind of, I went to college and whatnot, I, I kept going up there in the summer and, and, uh, I think, uh, Justin, his brother was busy or something, couldn't hang out with me. And so, uh, I'm in college and, you know, I've, I've found my way to, uh, to, liking a beer or two uh and uh all of a sudden that opened me up to jared's world (laughs) who who was no stranger to a party so that's kind of how you know even though we hung out tons when we were kids right it now we had kind of an adult connection that was a little bit different so so we got really close uh we were doing a lot of partying and having fun together uh and you know it was it was nice that i could go up to canada and i was of drinking age which you know made it 
made it even more fun. You know, right. Whereas, you know, I'm in college and can't do that. Can't do that at Arizona. Uh, so, you know, that was, it, it was a lot of fun. So we got talking and he's like, oh, you need a, you need to buy a Volkswagen. You need to buy a Volkswagen, right? I'm like, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so I go, this is, uh, I think this is 1994. Uh, I go looking for for a bug and I, you know, all around the Seattle area and, and, and Jared gives me all these tips on what I need to look for and you know, what, what I need to, you know, stay away from. So I buy a 1965 beetle after, you know, looking at a bunch of just absolute crackpot beetles. Uh, I found one. Hold on. I just want to clarify. Jared's got you looking in Canada for a Volkswagen. No, no, I'm in Seattle. So I'm in Seattle and I'm not much difference, right? Between the condition of the vehicles rust wise. Yeah. But the difference is he's not with me. So I'm going, I'm, I'm going out with my dad with, you know, essentially no experience on this stuff. Um, you know, we're going hunting on his tips and whatnot. And, and Jared is fairly aloof. So getting real answers, especially at this time was, was difficult at best. Right. (laughs) So, uh, you know, and he, you know, I'm, I'm just at home summer from, from school, you know, he's working construction day in, day out. You know, he's, he's busy. He's got, you know, he's got his life and and I'm on the phone. Like as soon as he's off work, like it's what time does he get home? Like I'm on the phone, you know, ready to go. And there's no Skype or anything, you know, right. we're not texting each other. This and is 1994. Like, yeah. yeah. Pre 67. Just get it. <laughs> well, the funny part is we were at Puyallup. We were at, uh, the, the swap meet down in Puyallup and, this this was in the spring, I believe, uh, when I was home and uh, we met him down at the down at the swap meet, and he there there was a MP GTV, an original GTV bug, and he's like, yeah, you need to buy that, you need to buy that, that's what you need to buy, and I just kind of looked at him like, yeah, he's like, no, no, that's that's really cool, and I'm like, is it? I, I don't know, it doesn't doesn't look that cool to me and you know this time i'm thinking that you know hawaiian style rubbers are cool so right. I'm, I'm i'm as far off i'm as far off from a from a gtv as you could possibly get right uh you know my headspace was very much into you know stupid 90s let's scallop the thing uh deep dish centerline horrible taste i mean just <laughs> i started off with the worst taste possible right um so he says buy that well it, it obviously didn't buy that car and bit of a mistake but uh went looking when i came back in the summer uh for a car i think i paid six hundred dollars for this rooster dink pink uh and it was it was it was inside and out we're talking pink we're talking hot pink inside and out 65 beetle this is the ugliest thing you ever want to see but it was on it was on chromies um so that was that That was was a staple that was the first step to cool was chromies right so this thing had you know cowlick rubber all of the chrome was deleted and it was just hot pink nice so um i brought i bought that brought it home and uh spray bombed it the next day (laughs) was primer gray within you know a few hours <laughs> so you got rid of the pink huh <laughs> well the inside was still they, they painted the inside the dash and everything was they, they painted the like whole car quality pink paint it job was, <laughs> the quality pink paint job that i absolutely destroyed right uh just out in the front yard with the rattle can just getting rid of the pink um and so you know i sent him some pictures or something. i forget what we did but you know i think he looked at it and he just said oh 
what did you do? It's just, he's looking at this car. He's like, all right, so bring it up. And first thing, uh, I drive it to Canada, uh, and we're going to, we're going to lower it. So we hold on a second. This is a, a pink stock height bug on chromies. Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> Six, Choice. 60, 65 with, with the bastard 40 horse in it and everything. Wow. Uh, I got an extra motor with it. That, that's Lucky a, you. I, yeah. <laughs> you had an extra 1200. Well, I, I think those, and those were days back in the early days when a guy would buy a bug and just hop in it and take this rattle trap, you know, two, 300 miles without thinking, you know what I mean? I think today that we're older, we're like looking at it going, I don't know if I'm going to trust that dude for a road trip, but in our youth with our recklessness, we would just hop in a $600 car and go drive across country. Uh, you don't know it, but that's a bit of foreshadowing of, of <laughs> some of the next steps in the story. But, but I take it up to Canada and take my sister with me. She wants to go on the, on the ride. So we go up and, uh, we pull the front end apart and, uh, you know, no, no cutoff wheel, no cutoff tools. He's like, yeah, you're going to learn to, you know, get dirty on this thing now. So he's like, all right, cut the front beam. So uh, yeah, I take a hacksaw and oh, baptism by fire at this point. Right. <laughs> yes, so, absolutely. And he's just laughing. So you're putting adjusters in the front beam. We're doing this. In oh the, no, in the no. Oh God, no, we don't have any money for adjusters. Oh, we're just <laughs> cutting not, off leaves. I, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in college. Uh, you know, he is, he's paycheck to paycheck. We're, we're, we're not buying adjusters. That, that is not going to happen. Um, so yeah, just cut, cut both, uh, turned them forward and got a lowered beam. Um, we took it over to his uncle's shop who had a paint shop. Um, and then, uh, because your dad didn't have a welder or anything back then. Uh, so we put Jared's welding skills to, to the test, which, uh, were, choice we're not not good at the time now <laughs> so now let me get let me get this picture right in my head so you go to see jared the jedi volkswagen master that all you know is he's he's the jedi when it comes to volkswagen 100 and he's like okay we're gonna lower this beam take this hacks on this hammer and this thing's going to the ground basically and, and now you're gonna drive this cut and turn beam you're just gonna drive it back to uh, oh, this is good. I like the way this is working. Yeah, I mean it's it's a two and a half it's a two and a half hour drive to you know from from his from his house across the border. The to, risk to of mine. youth, right? The carelessness of youth, like yeah. You know, and I, we don't really know a ton about this car other than I drove it there and it made it and it seemed it seemed fine. And then Jared laid down some caterpillars on that front beam, welded it back together, and it uh, wasn't pretty. Uh, yeah. I, and I had that beam for years. I kept that thing forever. Um, but yeah, so welded it up, put it back together. He taught me how to, to lower the rear. Um, so we, we did that slammed together, uh, put his, uh, I think at the time you had 62 or yeah, 62. Uh, and, and these are all, you know, just standard hard top coupe. Yeah. Um, so we put his next to mine and his girlfriend remarked it how much better mine looked than his, which was really oh, that's quite, brutal. quite funny <laughs> at the time. So uh, my sister had already, uh, she had already left. She went, she went back home. I think uh, my she dad, said, I'm getting a safe ride. Yeah, my dad came and picked her up. So I was by myself and uh, I, uh, you know, it's evening. It's, I think it's Sunday night. 
decided to cross the border and head back home. And uh, so I I made it to uh, Bellingham to, to see a, a buddy of mine that had I, he went to the University of Arizona with me, showed him the car, and he just he just laughed. The first thing he said, he looks at looks at the Beetle, and he says, "Does that thing have you know the teddy bear wheels that come with that thing?" Right. I'm like, okay. I just slammed and did all this. Now, work did you slam it. it with 165s in the front, or did you no, step it down? Uh, no, way I acquired 135s. Oh, yeah. I, I came up there with 135s. I was I, say because that's even the better move is like driving home lowered with 165s in the front and smelling no. burning rubber the whole drive home. No, he had he had me grab a, a, a pair of 135s before I came up. So he was the wizard, the Jedi <laughs> wizard of lowering 135s. Absolutely. You're gonna listen. You're gonna want this, but you're not gonna be want to see want to be seen driving at stock height with 135s in the front because it's gonna look really wrong. <laughs> Go ahead and take that two hour track. Just get some sunglasses. No, that's about that's about the way it worked too. Yeah, we put them on, had them mounted up in Canada and everything. Um, so, so you build your sixty five, and then at this point, it, I, I don't know about built. Well, but, you're an early enthusiast, so that means you rattle yeah, can I'm, the car, I'm, yeah. lower it yourself. No clue. Johnny yeah. speed and chrome chrome parts all over it, or what do you what are you slapping on this uh, thing? No, that would have been that would have been well out of my budget at that time. JSC would have been. That would have been a, a just was a big lay, laying down some riches. I mean, I I spent every dollar I had, all eight hundred on the car, and probably stole a few things to to you know buy the one thirty fives. I, I mean, I was in college at the time. There was no yeah. there was no money being had. So right? you're going to ASU in Arizona, U of A, U of a in yeah, Arizona. Don't, don't confuse those two. <laughs> U of A, <laughs> and your your family lives in Seattle. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I got a scholarship to go to U of A, so that's where I went. Did uh, you bring this bug to to Arizona, or the bug stayed in? Not, Seattle? not, not this bug. Um, so on on this trip uh, back home, uh, more of the you know trial by fire is I get just south of Bellingham, and uh, it sounds like my bumper is dragging behind me, just <laughs> just the most obnoxious, and then I've got you know two little lights on the dash both of them are on and uh there's nothing happening with the gas pedal um and i quickly realized that uh, i have i have no engine left <laughs> so there's there's nothing so i am uh i think uh, I, I forget what lake that is that i'm right next to but um i'm going downhill so the car is still still rolling and i pull off to the side of the road that things i mean it's it's locked up and really i've absolutely locked this motor is not it's not going anywhere so i uh i jump off the embankment there's a pretty large embankment off the freeway as i am out in the middle of nowhere at this point in between you know bellingham and seattle and this is 94 so there's really nothing out there um there's there's a little lake and again i forget the name of the lake um and uh there's a few houses you know, there and one has a light on. So I jumped, jumped, jumped down the embankment uh, of, you know, this is I-5, uh, jumped down the embankment, walk over to this, this house. It was, it was probably, you know, a quarter mile away or so. So not, not too far, but some lights on, I knock on the door uh, and it's an elderly couple and they are freaked out that I'm Yeah, I can imagine. We're just here in our lake house and here's some creepy dude at the door. <laughs> so I so I start talking. I just like, you know, hey, here's the deal. You know, my car broke down just up the, up the street. I'm kind of in the middle of nowhere, but if you could make a phone call for me, um, you know, I could 
maybe get some help and, and get out of here. So, um, they're really leery of me, but after about 10 minutes I'm in and they offer me a beer. Um, so that worked out pretty well. Luckily my dad at the time had just, he had just started the, the company, uh, and uh, he had an 800 number. So that, that was kind of my right. entrance. Like, can you just call this 800 number? And he had it forwarding to the house phone. Some things the kids will never understand that every phone call used to cost tons of money yes. if it was outside of your neighborhood. <laughs> right. So I say, all you have to do, like, I'll stand outside. I'll stand outside the door. If you could just call this 800 number for me and it'll go to my dad and tell him that I'm stuck. And, uh, so, you know, they call, they talk to my dad and then, and then after talking to my dad, they just let me in the house and I'm hanging out there. So my dad calls his dad and, uh, you know, he comes down, uh, barreling down with the trailer. So we load the, we load the, the bug onto the trailer and we head back to Canada. And this is kind of where the real, you know, this is the meat and the potatoes for me. So this is, you know, Again, Jared's got to go to work uh, on Monday. So, you know, I roll up. We, we leave the car on the trailer, go to bed. Next morning, it's like, okay, well, you got work to do. You got to get out of here. So uh, pull the motor. So it started with that. It started with pulling a motor and, uh, and then um, trying everything we could to get that thing going, which was not going to happen. It, it sucked a valve all the way through the piston. So it was, right. that motor was toast. Welded shut. But lucky, lucky that there was another motor that my dad had sitting in the, in the garage that we got free with this car. Bonus. Right? So my dad drives up that motor and, uh, we, uh, we do typical, a bunch of work to that. Typical VW story. No need to test it. Let's just, bo- let's just bolt this thing in. Yeah. Bolted it in. Uh, it had some. It had some head issues as well. So we were running on three cylinders. I, I did get that thing in there and get it running. So this is, you know, this is two weeks into this now. I, every day I'm just working on a VW, and his dad is, you know, on the the balcony above me. You know, every time I'm screwing something up or firing orders wrong or this is this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. You know, this is the amount of the help I'm getting is like co- COVID-19 six <laughs> right. feet away help, right? You know, these guys think this is great. Like, okay, <laughs> this guy knows nothing about cars. We're just going to yell instructions from six to eight feet away and see how he does. So, you know, I, I stuck with it. I just I just stuck with it. Ended up getting getting that one running, and it ran on three cylinders, and that wasn't good enough. But, you know, this entire time, this entire, like, three weeks, Jared has a motor sitting on the floor that's in perfectly good condition. <laughs> this is one of those where Luke doesn't understand why, why Yoda has him doing so much extra work. I got it. So, so fine. I think it, this is three weeks into this and I've got to get home. I mean, I've been up there for three oh, weeks. Oh, so now you've just been to Canada for three weeks. Absolutely. That's, yeah. I'm, 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 that's commitment. I'm moving in. Right. I think they're tired of me. His mom probably said something and said, you know, get, get him the hell out of here. Uh, so we put in his good motor and I drive home and, uh, you know, no issues with that. He shows up literally the next Saturday and yanks that motor and takes it back to Canada. Okay, I'm like, you're not getting this motor. <laughs> so that was my, that was my experience number one, but I was still hooked uh, because I, I liked working on it. It was a lot of fun. It seemed easy to work on. Um, you know, it's that, but it's, but it's an interesting point because a lot of people that's their first experience and they immediately get out of the VW scene. You know what I mean? Like it left me stranded but and but and those aren't VW people that do that. They're just people that are looking for like a hobby car, but they get into it, 
and I think there's a difference with the VW enthusiasts where it's like, okay, you're at this impasse and it's sink or swim. And if you can patch this thing together, regardless of how crappy it runs, there's this, there's this sense of accomplishment Absolutely. where you want that. You thought, man, I, I got this car running, man. I'm pretty resourceful. And then I have this extra layer of security because I can fix this car. If something happens, you know what I mean? Which is what I think is, is, is part of a VW guy to the core, you know? Well, I, I think too, you know, that, saying to that that motor was already on the floor when jared came to pick it up yeah you, that, you really I, I did it myself it was it was on the floor myself so i mean the, you're the, a pro the, this after three weeks of training <laughs> you're working that lightsaber like nobody's business i got you absolutely so but that's it that's the, that's essentially the end of the summer uh i gotta i gotta go back to school so um i drive my you know chevy x11 citation classy oh man four, four speed how'd you stay single oh man wow what a, car, what a car citation you should get a citation for excellent in that thing excellent alexa well you got the it performance was, model it, it was x11 okay <laughs> x11 didn't look like a citation uh just happened to be one. i think that was on hot rod magazine's list of the 10 worst cars ever made <laughs> one was the chevy citation yeah yeah well definitely That's the x11 choice. was cool though off subject, but the X11 sure. had the uh, had the uh, S10 motor in it, and it was actually. And I think did it have speed. like a, a different header panel on the front to make it look like a little it, bit it of totally looked different. Yeah, it was yeah. flares and stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it looked oh, yeah. it looked beefier. Anyway, yeah, find one now. They're worth all kinds of money because there's no. none left. Yeah, POS. They they've all been crushed. Um, it was sold in Tucson in the middle of the night for eight hundred dollars uh, to a, a couple of guys that didn't speak English. Very and you well. don't feel bad about it at all. And and uh, the, the the power steering never worked in that car. And uh, they they were like, oh, like a race car, like a race car, you know, because it didn't have any power steering. I'm like, yeah, it's just like a race car. Yeah, that's blank and pinion. Yeah, there's nothing blank and pinion steering there. <laughs> so now you you head back to Arizona to go finish school. Now you you and Jared at this point, or you guys kind of go each doing their own thing. You start following your dad into the into the drywall business, or do you stay? You no, stay engaged. No, in not yet. There's there's a whole other Volkswagen story uh, involved because I I don't give up very easily. Right. So um, I met a met a girl. Um, I was in a fraternity house at the time and. Uh, you know, the, the guys in the house were pretty good at, you know, anytime, you know, new girl comes in, one guy talks to her, he's not going anywhere. He's got enough information to pass him on to the next guy who right. might have a chance. Right. So, sure. so this girl, uh, comes in, she's some other sorority girl and, you know, they figure out this girl has a beetle and whammo she's with me. So, um, nice. I did a 12 volt, uh, swap for her in the parking lot at the, uh, fraternity house. She had a 65, uh, beetle. It didn't didn't work out uh, perfect. Uh, the, the, I had, so, who you're saying is you forgot the step down the step down resistor on the wipers, or you put that in? No, all that stuff was good. It was the lack of the carburetor spacer. They didn't give it to me in the kit. Oh, for uh, the for, alternator. It was Churco performance at the nice. time. I think those guys are still around in Tucson, yeah. uh, but they they forgot that piece of the kit. Um, and I kept going. The car will run. It'll run, but I gotta pour gas that like. I got to actually pour gas down the throat of the carburetor and get this, keep this thing going, you know, cause you know, I didn't realize that I never saw it. I didn't, I never saw that the accelerator pump was basically stuck, right. stuck up against, <laughs> pinned the against, the, against alternator. the alternator. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that ended up getting towed out of the fraternity parking lot and, and really tough. It's really, <laughs> thanks for your help. Jason. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> 
no poor, more dates for you. <laughs> poor, poor girl just wanted to. She just wanted to. Just wanted to. Thanks for the work. favor. Just wanted tunes in the car and and couldn't well, get it going. Well, my six by nine to work. Right. I need to get this audio vox in there. So, so I think there was a lot of calls uh, to Jared on on that uh, issue. <laughs> no, babe, I got this. Go ahead back in the house, eat some Cheetos, Jared. What am I doing? This thing smoking. Help me. It's on fire. <laughs> um. So, you know, that, that was uh, still undeterred. Uh, That's a bold move, right? I, I I'm going to go ahead and convert your entire car. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> even for the average enthusiast, that's a big steak to eat. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of moving parts to that. It's not just swapping an alternator. But, you know, you know, hats off to the guy at Churco who convinced you that you could do it <laughs> without, without, the adapt, without the carb spacer. <clears throat> Hey, I was just trying to get a piece of tail. <laughs> right. Some <laughs> things will do. Yeah. Listen, babe, I'll get this thing converted to 12 volts. Are you going to live? <laughs> I'm not really sure if this car will burn to the ground on your way home, but uh, I'll be a hero for 10 minutes. So unsuccessful on all of those counts. Um, the uh, Just it, it didn't stop me. I still had some success. I still put that car back together. It was one small part that I was missing. You know, when, when she ended up taking it to a mechanic, he's like, yeah, you're just missing this piece. I'm like, God. You're right. Um, you know, this this is really not me. I didn't do anything wrong here. Just, you know, didn't get the piece in the kit, and I'd never done it before, so I didn't know to look for the kit, piece in the kit. So, anyway, you chalk that up to experience, right? Hey, I'm in college. I'm looking to learn. Anyway, sure, right? sure. So, all, all of this was about kind of gaining knowledge for me. Uh, so, that summer, you know, my, my intention is to go back home and tear apart this 65 and restore it Pinky's the right way. Pinky's going to get it. Pinky, I got gotcha. you. Pinky's going to get restored. <laughs> So, so the day I get home, some, you know, in summer, I start tearing this car apart. I mean, windows out, everything. I'm just, I'm just like right. an animal. And I realize this thing has so much rust that I cannot continue just visibly. It's, it's enough got, rust from a guy from the Pacific Northwest to give up on it. That's a I, lot of rust. It would, well, and there wasn't, you know, given that Jared, Jared's welding skills were not what they are today. Right. Um, you know, I really didn't have any help on this, on that part of it. Like when it, when it came to mechanical work, I felt like at the time that, oh, I can take on well, mechanical. There's a, there, there's a big difference. I mean, I was emotionally scarred at a young age due to bodywork issues because one of my first cars, uh, when I was delivering pizzas the first week, some gal, her front bumper hooked the back of my wheel arc and it ripped the can opener hole in my quarter panel. And listen, you can look as gangster as you want, but like changing a quarter panel like requires a welder and a professional <laughs> body shop and all that stuff. And you're scarred for life because I changed all kinds of parts in that car, but everybody called it the shark bite. And it was one of those things where like I, I learned from that point, if a car needs extensive metal work, it's not a car for me. Right. You know, and I think unless you're really good, unless you have a desire to be resourceful and learn how to weld and beat metal and do all that kind of stuff. That's a special, it's another level of Different guys skill. that can do that. Yeah, like for me, when I look at a car, the first thing I'm looking at is metal condition because mechanical, I can do just about anything. When it comes to welding and all that stuff, I, these hands are too heavy for a body hammer. You understand me? <laughs> <laughs> I make everything a little bit worse than it was when we started. Yeah, well, it had too much rust. So, so you get the, you get back to this car, tear it apart, too much rust, and now you go on the hunt for no, another vehicle? Absolutely. And for one with no rust, are you checking these cars with a screwdriver, just banging them in the in the rockers, or what? Well, I went for the 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 next obvious thing to do: find one that's already stripped. 
So you can see all the rest. Oh, by a shell. Yeah, you figure you've got all. That's a VW <laughs> guy. I've got all the parts just to switch to another body. Why don't I just go get another body? I don't know that that was. That would have been a wise thing to kind of think of. And that wasn't my thought. This thing supposedly came with all the parts. Oh, um, <laughs> so this one just needs to be. It's it just, all resorted. Just it's just in pieces. Together, right? That's just it. need to put it together. Like a puzzle. So, so I find this uh, 63 um, sliding rag uh, that. Has all the parts, cut dash, of course. Nice. Uh, but it did come with the aluminum dash. Uh, nice. Replacement. The aluminum replacement piece, yeah. Absolutely. The, and the rivets to put it in probably, yeah. With with a 914 gauge cluster. So that's, uh, that was a big selling point. Already nice. cut and everything Like a it. race car. At, oh, that's what we were going for. Put And and so at this point, I, I've I've secured some more funding. I've, I've basically made a deal with my dad that I can build this car on a budget but i can i can essentially build the car and uh i had i had acquired another car earlier basically gifted down to me that i was going to give to my sister in kind of a a leverage point so my sister needed a car i'll give her my car and i'll go build this bug and i think at the whole time was that was that the volkswagen fox no 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 this is a, a nissan maxima Oh yeah, but but I eighty nine maxima, and I but I think the whole thing is like, you would rather work on a busted Volkswagen Bug than drive an eighty nine maxima, and I with think, magic seatbelts, and yeah. and I think a lot of that has to do with like, as a car guy, you have this vision where you see a cool car, and you're like, one day I'm gonna be driving a car like that, and it's this whole mentality of like, no, but. Yeah, your car's got air conditioning. Your car's got safety seat belts and things like that and tires that aren't bald and all this stuff. But my car looks way cooler. And my car separates me from the crowd. And I think that's part of the the allure to like building and driving and, and creating your own Volkswagen, you know? By this time too, Hook, you know, done all the research. Uh, you know, I've spent now I, I, essentially a, a, over a year of reading about Volkswagens and really getting into the, you know, design philosophies and, you know, more of the kind of cerebral stuff uh, sure. on, on, you know, how these things, why they were done and, and how they're really kind of a, a just they're, they're complete opposite. They're the, the antithesis to a, to an American car, right? It's not the change completely every three years. It's, it's perfect, perfect, perfect. Right. Um, so those kinds of things really, they resonated with me in a, in a big way. So it all fed back into the same thing, right? It's right. A, I did research that basically uh, confirmed my initial beliefs, you know, the worst kind of research you can do, but it, it still, it, it worked. It, I, I got into it. I loved it. Um, and so, you know, I, I spent a year in, in school and all I'm doing is thinking about Volkswagens when I'm not, you know, doing schoolwork, you know, reading Volkswagens, looking at, you know, Volkswagen magazines is just right. So I, I'm building, I'm in full lather for the summer and I go and I look at this car and it's, it doesn't have any rust. Does, does not have any rust overall in today's world. This is still a great car. I mean, like that had a few little issues, but I mean, good deal for 500 bucks. Right. Um, and, uh, my dad is there, um, and he's just looking at me. He's just kind of scratching his head. But by this time, he's 
he knows. He's given up trying to convince you to get out of Volkswagen. Uh, just, it, I've, I've, I've never failed at anything. It's like he can't point to anything that I've ever done that's been a complete failure. I've learned from everything and I kind of move on. You know, I, I was I was a good student. Uh, it was you know I, I did everything right. So he really didn't. It, it, he he knew there's no leg to stand on. Right? What do, what do you say with somebody that's right? He, he's he's basically going to go. Well, you'll learn when it when it's a big enough mistake you'll learn like that's essentially sure. what his his thoughts had to be I, I i never really asked him about that but i'm i i know he was scratching his head right cuz this is when we're talking a shell we're talking four wheels and a and a Volkswagen Beetle bottle body that so, that, that is it on that's a side all note, i got what kind of scholarship were you on it was it was an academic scholarship yeah. yep. okay so he's like this kid's kind of bright why is he so stupid keeps buying these <laughs> Volkswagens <laughs> But he's like, he's just, he's thinking there's something that you, there's something you've got to tackle with building your vision. Like you're going yeah. to create, because I think when we pick up those VW magazines and you turn the pages, it wasn't like, here's the crazy part. You pick up a hot rod magazine. There's five different types of cars in that one magazine. You pick up a hot VWs from the nineties. It's all bugs and they're all built differently. And they yeah. all have the personality of the individual yep. painting it and everybody, like every issue, somebody just tweaks it, pushes the envelope a little more. And I think as, as the enthusiast, we get in our head like, I'm going to build mine, but do mine my way. And yep. they'll know my exact same car that everybody has because mine will look different. You know, I think the variety is just so huge in that. And so maybe, you know, with, with that desire inside that you want to build your creation like in your head you're you don't see a pile of parts you see this finished thing that you're going to have sooner or later however whatever whatever degree finished is to you whether it's starting driving and running or like finished painted and show car type thing but to all of us i think we have this end game when we look at a pile of parts or a bunch because because there's something wrong with every volkswagen guy that i met because you never find a volkswagen guy with just one volkswagen you know what i mean he's like he he's got more than one and they're tucked away here and they're tucked away over there. And it's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do this and do that. I mean, we're over at my house and I've got, you know, several projects sitting around here, but you, so you've been to my shop. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, you're, you've got the, you've got it bad. <laughs> and now, so on this car, on the 63 rag top, what happens with the 63? I mean, Jared has some influence on this car. So we start with bat, you know, the, the, the you know cow look you know kind of idea you know cow look one i guess uh or cow look two what, whatever what, whichever one it is that you weld up everything and there's no trim there's no there's no nothing so we go from that kind of idea from the even you know ugly you know hawaiian style rubber you know put white rubber on it to what i produced and what what actually kind of came out of this thing was a was an emron paint uh British racing green or it close to that color. It was actually a stock Emron color that it was painted, um, with a, uh, so a dark green with a buckskin, uh, sliding rag on it. Um, all the trim U S bumpers, uh, lowered on, uh, at the time I was, I was running the chromies from, from pinky. Nice. Classic. Um, well, still the nineties chromies weren't acceptable wheel. I mean, it, you I listen. Did, didn't. Hey, I wanted BRMs, yeah. but the the budget. That's high budget, stepping. The, That's high stepping, man. The, the budget was the budget was uh, in a lot of ways surpassed on this. This was like a hundred bucks a piece, hundred twenty bucks a piece, man. What are you crazy? So I I had a a, a guy in Seattle in West Seattle build a seventeen seventy six 
which at the time, you know, for Jared and I, that seemed it's like a monster, a monster, monster motor. Monster. Um, and so I, I put this thing together. Um, do I paint all of the the engine tin? Put everything together. Um, and I bought a set of uh, 44 IDFs for this thing, which I couldn't control. Uh, that was way over my pay grade at the time. Uh, so I had an inch and five eighths merged header to a megaphone. Boom. Oh yeah. Everybody gets a, st- everybody gets a stinger yes. for the first time and you're so proud until your VW friends see with a stinger. And, uh, the, uh, so in the, like putting this thing together, um, we really thought it needed, you know, a, a solid mount for the tranny. Uh, <laughs> Because of the massive amount of horsepower that we were going to Well, yeah, it's 76. You're going to twist this car in half. Um, Not and, one, but two carburetors. Yeah, yeah well, those came off. Ripping I, and tearing. I, I could not, you know, that was a lot of extra uh, parts and screw pieces for me to screw with that just didn't work out very well. carbs. Didn't understand. I mean, it. I barely understood how to put this car together, let alone carburation. Another, you know, that's a, that is it's a, another world. It's, it's another world. So I put those on there. I actually got a running. Uh, it was running so rich. It was stupid. And I, I, I gave up on the carburetors. People are like, oh, you need to change the Venturi's. And I'm looking at them going, what? What's a Venturi? <laughs> um, so yank those and put one of the progressive carburetors on there. Offset the deck lid so it would fit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that had a that had you know a single and it rams cool air down there too. Double bonus. <laughs> so other problems with that carburetor. So I uh, I don't finish the car in the summer. Get get pretty darn close. You know it's not really interior. I got seats and a uh, a wood uh, a wood seat bottom for the back. Mm-hmm. Um, that's carpeted, uh, but the car is well. Yeah, race all, car, race cars don't have back yeah, seats. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, scat drag fast shift. Of course, in it. Uh, angled or straight? The straight one. Oh no, oh, this guy. It's too Long close arms. to the dash. I know. Long arms. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I mean, got this thing um, together, but not quite finished. So I come back winter uh, for for uh, Christmas break, and I finish this thing up and. 50 miles, we drive around Seattle, me and my dad. Good to go. Nice. I got it titled. I had to go, I had to go to Washington State Patrol to finally get this car titled because that hadn't happened either. So you built the whole car without a title? Oh, yeah. Of course. <laughs> I, I still do that. <laughs> I, like to, I like to risk some things. So you get into the scene in the early 90s. Now, you, now you've built your car that you've like got your seal of approval on. You're pretty happy about this car. And then... Well, that that's, that's, not, that's not where... It, seal approval happens. I mean, it, this is still, I mean, I, I have to do things the hard way. So I get in this car right. after 50 miles and I drive from Seattle to Tucson. That well, is, yeah, that, that, makes, is, that makes sense. That is the plan. I She's broken in. <laughs> 1995, no cell phones, no nothing. I put 50 miles on it and I got in. This is, uh, this is January, mind you. So it's cool. It's nice and cool. It's not going <laughs> to overheat. Uh, and I, I, they won't overheat, but I also don't have heat boxes, right? I'm running inch and five eighths merged header with a mega cars. Don't have heaters. So <laughs> I get down first day, 
no issues, man. Just just cruising. Uh, now I can't hear anything. Now this uh, is a three day drive or two day drive. Well, normally it's a two day. I plan for three days. Uh, just gonna just, take it easy. Just gonna take it easy. Um, and uh, you know, breaking in the motor. So the guy, the guy that I bought the motor from, me, you know, if you're gonna be on the freeway, you know, you gotta get in and out of the throttle quite a bit. You know, so <laughs> I did that for like the first hour and said, "Screw this! I'm not not doing this anymore." Setting rings. It, it, they'll set all right. right. <laughs> We're going to drive this thing, you know, 1,000 or 1,200 miles, however much and, it is. And what's funny is there's something special about the smell of a, of a new or freshly rebuilt motor when it's running, like that little bit of oil on everything that's burning off <laughs> and that crisp smell, and you're just a little on edge the whole time oh, you're driving it. I had I had gauges on this thing, and I think I was glued to the gauges, right, the, the entire time. Gauges never really moved. Every, everything kind of went fine uh, for day one. Uh, and then there was this story this guy told me. You know, everybody tells you a story when they find out that you're in the Volkswagens. You know, there's there's some guy at a party that, oh, always an older guy, you know, some some baby boomer that's got a story about a Volkswagen that he wants to share with you. Mm-hmm. I think everybody that's been into Volkswagen has had this experience where you have to suffer through somebody's ridiculous yeah, Volkswagen story. my buddies had, yeah. So of all these stories, there was one that I remembered. And this guy said, yeah, we had the strangest thing happen to us in a bug one time. We were driving along, and and the the rear brake drum, the, the splines on the rear axle just blew the whole thing apart, just ripped the, ripped the splines right out of this car. And then you sit in there, you hit the gas, and you don't go anywhere. Huh. Man, I'm like, well, that's, that's possible. It's just on with an axle nut. Must have got... Must have got loose or something, as stuff should turn all the same. But it was a story that that just kind of stayed with me. So I'm in I'm north of Sacramento uh, on day two of this this drive, and I pull out of a rest stop and I hit second gear and <laughs> motor revs and I got nothing. And the, <laughs> and the story immediately, I just right back to the story. I'm like rear brake drum, and I and I sitting there fiddling with it. I'm like, is my transmission bad or what's going on? So I put it back into first, hit the gas, let the clutch out. I hear something spinning and I'm going nowhere. And I'm just like, you're kidding me. There's no way, right? There's no way. So I pull off the, pull off the Chrome hubcap back there and it's just full of, full of sand, full of of grind, full of of, ground, full of sand. Right. And I'm just going, no way. Well, I mean, and I, it's still pinned. And I put this thing on with about as much, I mean, I'm an animal when it comes down to torque. Without a torque wrench, I'm a very dangerous person. Um, and, and I used a six-foot cheater bar on this thing to get to get that rear axle nut on because it didn't have an impact wrench. Sure. Um, and it was pinned, and it was still pinned, and it was loose. Um, so there I am in Sacramento, and call that 800 number. <laughs> call my dad. Uh, and... Uh, get a tow truck out and they take me to some VW shop that's north of Sacramento. They go search in junkyards and find a, a drum that'll, that'll work and, uh, put that back on, head back down towards Tucson. So I'm in California and, uh, just ready to go up the grapevine. And, uh, I start blowing fuses. Oh no. So, uh, after three or four of these, I'm like, what the, I got to find out what this is. Right. So it's the, it's the choke on the, on the carburetor, touching uh, the fan fan shroud. Yeah. So that got some tape. It's weird how I knew that. Yeah. (laughs) So got some tape 
And day four, you know, day four was was easy, man. Open that sliding rag, uh, and going through Palm Springs and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. On, check on me I-10. out. And no I'm issues. Here. <laughs> I, I, I'm beyond caring about babying the motor anymore. I'm, right. I'm, I'm, I'm day four. I'm, I'm just cruising 80 plus miles an hour and, and, uh, you know, Palm Springs sunroof open 80 degrees in January. What, what's wrong with this? Right. So back to life is good. Get to, get to Tucson, pull into the apartment complex where I was living and, uh, broke the throttle cable. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> the last little kick in the shins just before it's over. <laughs> now, I, I, it was several days before I got any hearing back. As I, as <laughs> yeah, solid steel mounts and a megaphone. It's gonna be like, <laughs> and for only four days. I mean, that's that's not that's, <laughs> yeah, that's brutal. So I kept that car for a long time. Uh, did eventually get BRMs on it, uh, and uh, we decided when I was kind of getting back heavy into things uh had some money jared and i are, are pulling this thing apart gonna do all kinds of upgrades to the car do everything i got the money to do everything i wanted to do to the car that i that i didn't get to do the first time and we're pulling it apart and he's he's working on the rear shocks it's like, did did you tighten anything on this car is this stuff he's just he's just uh, we're undoing this car with by hand everything's coming apart by hand right he's like well, i can't believe you didn't you didn't tighten anything i'm like oh stop it i i i tightened everything like way too much and so uh about this time i was reading all the gene bird books and there's a pretty good section on solid mount right <laughs> it'll vibrate everything loose until it all falls apart so so as i as i'm i'm now going through i'm reading this book and i'm thinking about uh jared telling me that nothing was tight and then i'm going back to all the things that i could never keep bolted down on this car and the the rear axles you know how i would have to basically go and i was tightening rear axle nuts every you know two weeks that's just what to, you do yeah it's just <laughs> standard do. maintenance uh so that was you know that was the first car that i built and was done. I had offers like crazy on that car just because it was so. I mean, it was it was really neat. I had uh, your favorite headlights. On. Oh, Rossi's pure Absolutely. class, man. Yeah. Pure, that was something I liked about you. Rossi's because uh, we didn't want to cut in and figure out where to put the turn signals. On, no, it on looks the, cool. The fenders, nothing cooler than Rossi's. Uh, so yeah, I had Rossi's on it, and uh, uh, I got so many offers on that car, especially in Tucson. Yeah, I mean, it was it was uh, it was pretty hot. It was great. I mean, I I love that thing, and just kind of further sunk the sunk the hook in. So that's that's my. So that's how you get wrapped up in the, into uh, the VW hobby. And since then, since I've come to know you here, you you've owned you've been involved with you took over your dad's business created it took it to like the next level attained some personal success for yourself and like any guy who has this sickness of volkswagens as soon as you attain this level of success where you can buy another volkswagen and you realize you know with family you know having a wife and all the stuff and being married you you can't spend 14 hours a day in the garage so you start thinking my time is better served maybe like i could buy a car done and maybe enjoy this and get that you've amassed quite a collection you've got a pretty decent collection of cars out there so clearly the the passion for the hobby hasn't stopped oh, but i've been out of it i mean i, I in when the first downturn yeah in in 07 
No, I was going broke. I mean, it was it was it was bad. It was bad. I had to sell off everything. Yeah. Uh, even giving away some of the stuff, I'm like, ah, I'm never getting back into Volkswagens, never. So uh, there's there's a there's a a guy that's had lots of magazine cars that he did interiors for both me and Jared. Uh, Richard came down and he bought. I had a '65 Beetle that he had done the interior on. It was a Bahama blue. I had I had lowered it um, and uh, put beat you know, gray BRMs on it. Just again, just stock lowered nice with, with BRMs. It was a great driver. Um, and, uh, he had, he had done the interior, which his interiors are top notch. I mean, just unbelievable. And he always said, Oh man, I really love the way that all came together. You know, cause he did this tweed on it. That was, I mean, it just looked, tweed. I have it, been there. It looked really cool. And I couldn't get anybody to touch this car. And, and this is like early 08, I believe. Uh, and I can't get anybody to even come look at it. Um, so I just, uh, I'm, I'm dumping it. He calls and says, oh, I'll, I'll take the car. Right. So he takes it and I just basically load him up with I'm like, hey, you want this? You want this? And I I'm know this, this guy. Right? I'm out of this hobby I'm, I'm for out. good. I'm out. I, I'm giving him empty gauges and half-inch yeah. cheese graters that are brand new in a box. And, you know, like just I'm, like, I'm done. I'm done. You know, here, you want this? I get, Here's a Westie stool. I got This has been kicking around for too long. And, you know, so I just I just give him everything. I'm, I'm out. I'm not coming back. And uh, it, was, it was kind of moving down here. Uh, you know, there was the whole kind of – uh, revamping, revitalizing the the company, and uh, kind of getting back on our feet, moving back down here. Bought a place, uh, kind of got the bug again. Oh, I saw this '62 sliding rag on the Samba. The price is right. Looks cool. It's patina car. I'm like, yeah, never had a patina. Oh, and then it just it yeah, just snowballs. snowballs, right? So I buy that, and then I buy a Gia, and then I like it's just and it just I it just can't stop. And then I then I uh, started looking at other houses here. Uh, so I, I was you know living in a place Mountain's Edge, and and then uh, kind of started looking at other properties. Things are going good. I'm like, okay, we could sell this. We've only been here a couple of years, but you know, market's up. We could sell this house and maybe get some more property. So wife falls in love with this uh, this property that's got a separate 2400 square foot three high door you're like i don't know about the house i know it's got a huge garage i'm in <laughs> and at the time and i've got pictures of it there's 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 two there's at the time i've got my 62 sliding rag and a, and a 65 beetle or a 65 gear project in this giant like shot. two like two little tic tacs in the belly of a whale Absolutely. I have so much room. There's I have so, so much room. room. So much room. You got room for more. So much room. Oh. Um, we could do activities. Um, the uh, so that you know that was kind of the so now you start kick off. Now you start that. getting back into this, and and one of the main things that we've got you both here for today is to talk about Ross Wolf, and so you having a background in marketing, e-commerce. Yeah. E-commerce selling buying dealing with the public buying a product and selling it and then you being a consumer on that end and then jared having a background in designing and building and things to that extent the two of you both kind of talking to each other about what you're getting now as adults from when you were kids and now being in the vw world and what you're getting in respect to quality parts and service and things like that spurs you guys to decide to get 
if, well, if you're going to complain about and, it, you figure you might as well do something about and, it. And a bit of dissatisfaction. <clears throat> I mean, you know, I bought a lot of cars, like, like you said, from reputable builders. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the majority of those cars I took apart and uh, just was unhappy. And some of it was, you know, the way they did things. People got to do things for money. You know, these guys aren't doing stuff for free. Uh, I, I found very few of the cars that I that I bought that were done with no compromise. Uh, there's one car that was probably done with one compromise, but there's still some things that were out of control on that car too that, you know, got to fix. Um, so I tend to be a bit perfectionist when it comes down to, you know, the stuff I buy. And because we have built cars and I, I like to buy them done, uh, but, you know, and then I, I like to go back and fix the stuff that maybe didn't didn't get looked at. Um, so I think they're, you know, as as kind of deep and heavy into the into the high end custom uh, world in in Volkswagen, you know, dissatisfied with a lot of things that we were buying. You know, as as Jared and I are kind of looking at the stuff and and rebuilding some of these cars and kind of envisioning things for ourselves. We, we sit around and go, oh, well, this should exist or this, you know, this this should be better here. Or, I don't know why they're designing it this way. Um, so the the kind of birth of, you know, our company and, and the idea that we're, we're trying to push forward is kind of born out of a dissatisfaction in a lot of ways with what has been on the market, what people accept as okay in the market, what, what people accept for quality. Um, and... Uh, you know, that, that's, that's the birth, that's the birth of an idea. That's the birth of change. So sure. Sure. And so <clears throat> talk to me about like the, the philosophy of design behind some of the stuff you guys are putting out now. I think Jared's the best one to talk about that. Jared. <laughs> so I, a lot of the um, parts I, I try and do, um, try and take cues off the original item. Um, definitely sizing the original parts and getting our sizes exactly right. Everything I'm, everything designed is in millimeters um, that we do. Um, and we try and everything so far has been like a, from the original design. So there's a familiarity of the piece. Um, and then just, we just try and take it a step further um, in, in quality for what's on the market right now and design, making it look pretty as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at some of the stuff that you guys are having here as far as the beginning of some of the products you're putting out. And it's a lot of machine pieces, machine anodized pieces, some uh, billet distributor clamps. Candy. Yeah. Like uh, like the eye candy, candy right type now. stuff. Yep. And uh, looking at, you know, fuel pump block off with a breather attachment, uh, the the pressure fit dipstick with the with the flip latch on the top that's a pretty clean piece that's an innovation yeah that's <laughs> that that's a cool piece i don't i don't I haven't seen yeah. anything like this it looks like it's something that newer cars have that's a simple technology that nobody's taken the time to develop it and bring it into the vw world and is is that part of the frustration that you see technology that's out there that could be utilized in the vw scene without compromising the quality of the product or to add to the to the simplicity or the engineering of doing things? I mean, what's the motivation behind the development? I think it starts with of these things. You know, we've got this box and we call it our bitch box mm-hmm. and any part that fails or that we're not satisfied with gets thrown into that box. And then typically 
you know, Jared has something designed that evening <laughs> for this. So, you know, this is what we actually have in production right now. Uh, what, what we will be coming out will be, you know, a much broader uh, product range, but there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of dissatisfaction uh, with, with what we're buying. And, and I think, I, I think that's, um, I think if everybody kind of looks at that in the Volkswagen world and goes, okay, well, how many things do you make work versus how many things work right, right away. Right. And, and, uh, sometimes there's things that work and they just don't work for very long. Um, and I, I think what we want to bring is kind of a no compromise uh, to this, to, to bring, you know, something in every part that we put out there that that's of the highest quality, the highest quality that we can possibly produce and that functions uh, at a higher level than stock. And I, I think that's very difficult to do. Um, I, I think one of the, the problems I, I think a lot of the parts in the first, the first part, and it wasn't the first part we actually created, but the, the, the kind of the, the seminal moment, uh, was another failed distributor clamp. That was, that was kind of the, the spot where we just kind of looked at each other and go, why do we, why do we keep doing this? You know? And, and the failure, I mean, in your opinion, the failure was caused by just poor design, poor machining, a combination of just like, copy something and get it out there totally poor design um they're just doing things that aren't right i mean my background is uh, i ran a structural steel company um for a lot of years and and everything has to we're building buildings and warehouses and stuff for for people to live in and work under and um the engineering has to be there you you can't you can't fudge it you have to do it you can't just take a block of aluminum and cut it and, and not figure out uh, what the, where the tensile strength and the loads are actually going through it and stuff and, and using the right product, cutting it properly. Des- I mean, designing it properly. So the loads transfer, um, a brand new distributor clamp. Um, I think you guys have seen it. It looks like a block of scrap aluminum. Um, it's, it's just not cut right. So the thinnest spot, it instantly fails. It also doesn't come with torque ratings for t- how, how tight. So everybody thinks, from the old steel ones, all oh, the tighter the better. So they over torque it, and then it bends. I mean, at that thin spot, um, there's the design on this. Tons of parts are just not. Guys are just building it to sell. And, and a lot of guys are not going to do that. Volkswagen people, we're we're resourceful, and, yeah. and I think that if if everybody kind of <clears throat> thinks about this, really, how many things that uh, you know you're going about and you're modifying just because that's the way it's been done. And that's the that's where we want to change. And our parts, we don't want to have people modify. I mean, it, it's stuff should go in, should go in right, should go in right the first time. Yeah, you want it to look good and function properly, so that people feel like if they're going to pay for a billet distributor clamp, and and that's part of the part of the deal too. When you finally get to a point, you know, when we start out in this hobby, we're cheap, we're broke, we're we're yep. just trying to yep. be resourceful. Then when we finally get to a point where we make a few bucks in our pockets and we're like, you know, like you said with your car, I'm going to build this thing the way she's always deserved to be built. And we're going to start from the beginning. Right. And then it's like, now I'm going to pony up and spend the money. And I'm ex- and there's an expectation. I've had this debate with car builders and stuff plenty of times. There is a direct correlation and expectation for dollars spent versus quality received, period. And I don't care whether it's labor or product. I mean, you know, you, you, you pay... If you pay $2,000 for a paint job or you pay $10,000 for a paint job, there absolutely will be a discernible difference. Absolutely. And if you, and and I, and I tried to have this, I had this conversation with a guy one time and I said, if I pulled up with my car 
And everybody looked at it and I said, I painted that in my garage with rattle can. And they looked at it and it looked halfway decent. I'd get all kinds of accolades and people would be like, that's great. But if I pull up with a car that looks like it was painted with a rattle can and I say that paint job cost me $10,000, everybody's giving me like, man, I can't believe you'd pay 10,000 bucks for that. That's a bunch of crap. Meanwhile, some people that produce some of these parts and pieces think like, well, you're, you're paying for my time. Well, I, I shouldn't pay for your time as a professional if you're not a professional. Right. It kind of goes with the whole lawyer thing. I think lawyers, we pay lawyers to, to, to learn on our dime. You know what I mean? And, and we should be paying for expertise, not, you know, they should do it faster than anybody else. It's like, you know, if I, if I don't build engines and someone who builds engines all the time, uh, their engine should, in theory, be substantially more reliable than mine due to their years of experience and knowledge and all these types of things. And, and so there's a direct correlation with that. Well, and you, you want a direct correlation. It doesn't always end correct. up as no. you, and, you, Your mind wants it to be. It's not the way it always works. And it's two yeah. sides of the coin. Yeah. As a consumer, you feel that way. As a supplier, sometimes you want to justify why there's an additional cost of something that's not correlated to quality like well do you know what i have to go through to get this <laughs> you know what i mean you know sure. what i did to get this watch here sure but <laughs> but i think that the vw industry you know when i had the ceo for impy the ex ceo for impy when i had him on the podcast we talked about that we talked about the demographic for volkswagens and it's all guys in our age between late 30s to early 50s that huge demographic there where guys have a few dollars they're willing to spend they want to get the quality parts the people that are building them are expecting to build quality parts because the, the dollar amount for these cars is pushing upward. And so there's an expectation for a better quality part. The technology is there with CNC machining and all this type of thing where if it's designed properly and built properly, you should be able to produce good quality parts, maybe a little bit more, but not, you know. I, I think that that's the disconnect though, right? Is I think it's the design when when we look at the market and and we say well why isn't it quality it it's not a price thing in in a lot of ways and especially you know if you're dealing with you know larger companies that have a significant amount of volume running through there's actually no excuse for what they're putting out there that the the excuse is ignorance and and that doesn't that doesn't work i mean it, it's the we've done it this way and this is the way that's worked and whatnot for for so long and i'm i'm sure i mean i've been i've been in company meetings not with these companies but other other companies and it that that ends up that that kind of attitude you know permeates through any old company um uh, and you know it, it's tough to get people to get off that kind of conservative uh thought process of well it's been working this long and they don't often know that it's not working but they either don't contact their customers or they they're completely tone deaf well and from your background being mostly an online seller we know that all online businesses are immediate feedback and you can be destroyed yeah. in a matter of moments online if you're not respecting the customer yeah. and e even still uh, you know, we, we had this, there was a debate on Facebook the other day where someone says, I, I hate Amazon customers. They hated Amazon customers yeah. because Amazon customers will return things and all yes. this kind of stuff. And I said, well, the difference is it's no different. The Amazon customer than the Samba, the Samba forum guy with that filter of the internet yeah. between you and them, they feel emboldened to where in the grand scheme of things in face-to-face -face commerce, you're going to have 5% of the people are 
unpleasable, period. Let's say 5%. Yes. You put the internet filter between you and those people, and now you've got 25% because there's no guilt when I just return it, put it in the box and return it through Amazon because Amazon's willing to return whatever. But sometimes the distributor kind of doesn't want to do that. Incorrect description. Yeah, incorrect description or product doesn't fit. That's your easy out on Amazon. Sure, sure. And so, you know, with that being the marketplace now, and sometimes it's even pushed the expectation of what you should get. But with e-commerce and things like that, your experience in that, that's where you felt there's a huge disservice in the VW community to where product representation, quality versus versus quality that you're paying for and then the way that you feel that some places respect or don't respect the customers. I sold drywall tools. I mean, we're not talking about any kind of glamorous stuff. I sold sold tools to people that went to work every day. <laughs> Wayne building pianos. Construction. And uh, <laughs> I would... I would have never treated my customers on any day at any point in my business the way that that I get treated on a day-to-day basis from our largest Volkswagen suppliers. I I usually place an order and I'm swearing left and right at the messaging, the just the the tone deaf nature of the people that we're buying products from. And uh you know that Amazon is there and, uh, you know, Amazon, although, you know, you're really talking to a wall, Mm -hmm. it's a wall that absorbs everything and makes somebody else change. I mean, they have enough power to make everything change because if if you were selling on Amazon, you got to follow their rules and their rules are pretty straightforward. It's it's, the customer's unsatisfied for any reason. They get their money back. I think that, you know, I think we've all seen the, uh, if, if you don't contact us in 24 hours in a yellow piece of paper, if you don't contact us in 24 hours about any indiscrepancy, then it's your fault. Um, yeah, no, that's not, that's actually not even the way if you bought with a credit card, that's not even true. Right. Um, so these, these companies, they, they have these scary policies and I don't know what they're trying to do. Um, I mean, I, I get it, but in the end, I, I look at this stuff and go, this messaging is terrible. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is, this is constantly, you know, uh, it's our fault as consumers for some mistake we've made or some, we've customized the product and that's why it failed. Or, you know, the, I, I, it, it, to me, and I think everybody that's listening to this podcast has probably had some experience with, you know, a supplier basically telling them to go fly a kite uh, off of a legitimate problem or something they legitimately had go wrong. <laughs> we ain't building pianos here. <laughs> I, I, uh, I think it's unacceptable. I, it, it's, it's, there's no other, it's unacceptable to do business the way that it's done in our industry. Uh, I to- in, in these I, days. I totally agree. I was talking to someone who builds, builds engines not long ago, and they were buying stock heads for building off-road race cars. And the stock heads were dropping valve seats within the first race. When the manufacturer was contacted by somebody that said, yeah, that's that batch of heads. The new batch of heads is fixed. <laughs> these ones are better. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, and to think that you could go through life doing that, like, you know, in my business as, co- as a contractor, if I screwed up some lady's job, which it, it happens, and I just go, you know what, let us do your other job and we'll do a better job on that one. But that one's yeah. just going to be the way it is. I mean, 
you know, it's, it's, you wouldn't accept any other type of service. And so it's good to see. And I think the VW scene has been ready for something like this for people that are motivated by delivering a quality product and something that's a cut above versus someone trying to figure out how I can make a quick buck. Cause you kind of see that on the internet now where people are copying other people's parts yeah. very cheaply even to the point of like building things that are really dangerous to, to put on your car because someone can build a part, a suspension part or whatever, a little bit cheaper than somebody else. And I've been blocked. I've been blocked by quite a few guys on Instagram for <laughs> commenting on their welds. Um, yeah. Well, and, and the, the, it's, it's a two edged sword because they wouldn't sell anything if the people wouldn't buy it. And some people are so cost conscious on things that they're willing to sacrifice safety for a good deal on something. But, you know, I, I think that's the part that they buy where they learn in life there's no free lunch because everybody has to learn that lesson. There's the cons- all- Consumer thinks it's a great deal. They just, some of them don't know like yeah. what a bad weld is and, and what you shouldn't be running that's welded together. Or um, consumer has a lot of it. Um, they don't take, they don't send stuff back because they think that's the way it is. I, I need to adjust, I need to, grind this part to work on yeah. my car it's like no if it's built wrong send it back like that's don't let don't put it on your car right uh, i think i think it's something where you know our philosophy with this is you know we're not looking to sell to everybody uh but we are looking to have everybody that buys from us be satisfied and and pleased and proud of their purchase and that's that's it and and uh it's going to take us a long time to get to a product, you know, quantity level of, of, you know, an array of products for people, uh, where we've got enough to really compete, you know, against some larger companies, but all of that happens with time and building, building our brand and, uh, you know, keeping the idea of Ross Wolf alive as, you know, a, a person that, uh, you know, accepted only the best. And that brings me to my next point. Talk to me about, about the namesake of the company, this guy, Ross Wolf, that the company's named after. What, what, what's the story behind Ross Wolf? Uh, he's a man who uh, held a steering wheel and a wrench often at the same time. Uh, he's been uh, ubiquitous in his, uh, in his exploits in air-cooled Volkswagen and Porsche over the years. Um, he's a man who races and fixes his, his gear and, uh, is an innovator and an early influencer on, on everything that happened in the Volkswagen world and the Porsche world as well. And with, with that being the background of, of the grit of the integrity of who Ross Wolf was, you you're expecting to hold up this level of quality for the parts that you're building, that they're built by, a hands-on kind of guy that can, that can, that wants the performance out of the part, not just the looks. And willing to, to look elsewhere. You know, I, I think, uh, it, it comes back to, you know, the, the idea of form follows function function, uh, has been this kind of, it's the credo of Volkswagen. And, and I think we buck that a little bit is, you know, the, the, 
the form can be beautiful and and function beautifully and and this is more it's more italian kind of design philosophy when it comes down to it. it it's it's a movement a little bit away from that but without compromise without compromising on the actual function of of each product that 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 is out there um so it's 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 being able to take cues from uh like Jared kind of always takes cues from the stock part, but also being able to look kind of elsewhere and what else is, is around you and, and being able to mirror those things and bring them into your design so that you can, you can, you can put out a piece that's aesthetically, you know, superior to, to what else is out there on the market as well. Now, also uh, one of the things that for me, I think, and just knowing you on a personal level, and I was having conversations how much do you think that the VW scene has been held back due to people seeking profit over innovation? I'm not the guy to talk about anybody, uh, hold back anybody from profit. I, I think it has to be a problem. No, you seat. have to, there's gotta be profitability in the VW scene. But what I'm saying is like people would rather hold back on innovating stuff and just keep selling the same Widget somebody else carries. Do you do you believe that the VW industry no. has been stifled? I mean, you, you let's take a look. For example, let's look not at, on purpose. Well, not not on purpose. See, here's here's the thing. These kind of things don't happen with some mastermind plan, right? Well, there's, there's and no, I'm not, and that's not what I'm alluding to. What I'm saying is like, do you believe that people that the VW scene mentality has kind of been, it's not broke. Why fix it? It works just fine right now, and then it takes so long for innovation to come out. Because if you look at certain huge leaps and bounds in innovation. If you just look at how much the narrowing of the front beam changed the game, right? Things like that. Or you look at how long fuel injection has been fighting to get into the VW scene and the, and the challenge being like, and I can tell you because I've, I've bought a few, a few fuel injection systems and they all suck. Like, you know what I mean? The ones I've used now I've had AJ on the podcast and he swears by the Fitech setup and, and I've heard some, decent results about that what did you have on the type 34 was a motec or well yeah that well that's when i shelled out the big dollars right. like i had a an sds which jake raby swears by and it was fairly decent it 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 uh i think there were other extenuating factors on the type 34 that caused me to switch to the motec because there were some other underlying issues but then i had to step up and i bought you know $2,500 fuel injection control system. Like not no hardware, just the brain was 2,500 bucks plus custom wiring, all that stuff. And so like, that's a huge step over here out of the VW scene, but like, you know, coilover suspension that they've been, that, that started with Mendiel and now Kevin with cool rides mm -hmm. taking that over and he's doing sure. that. But it's like the innovation came from, cause you look at the, 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 the V8 American scene and you're talking coilovers, airbags, uh, extruded chassis. Like, I mean, you're talking like, like the, the technology level, but I think they struggle with the same things. I mean, I, 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 I you know, don't put us out on an Island. I, I don't believe well, it's true. I mean, I, I think, I think the, 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 the GM Chevy guys, the Ford guys, they've, they've all fought these demons. They, now they may have done it years ago. Uh, but I think to, to a lot of, uh, to a lot of this, it, it's part of the, the maturity of, of something. And it also has to do with the values, uh, coming to the right spot. True you know, of the cars. That, yeah. That, 
you know, when you look at a lot of these great ideas, you know, the dollars didn't make sense for the, for the vehicle. I mean, um, and I think that's where things are changing a bit in, in the Volkswagen world and not completely. I mean, I, I Volkswagen is still a, a fairly easy hobby to get into budget conscious people can get into it as well as, you know, people that want to spend a hundred thousand dollars on restoring a beetle. Like it can, it can happen. You can spend $150,000 on restoring a beetle. Um, so, you know, and there's, and there's guys running, so you don't. So, so, in your opinion, the VW scene has not been held back due to lack of innovation from foresight of people leading the scene. Uh, not intentionally. I mean, I I, I, w- I won't say that. I mean, it, I I think that um, you know these are natural progressions mm-hmm. uh, of where things go. I don't I don't think there's any conscious effort by anybody or any any well, any ill will. Like. And even if it was conscious, I, I don't know that you can control a a market or a scene that way. It really just comes down to timing. It, it, it it's 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 something where, um, you know, these companies that have been putting out parts forever have actually done a pretty good service to the Volkswagen industry for for actually keeping some of this stuff alive, and that that's great. Um, but you know, as as the the tide turns and time turns you have your business has to move it has to change and there is a lot in this business that hasn't changed won't change isn't going to change unless something changes it right and and that's you know that's not that's not the fault of the people necessarily that won't change it it's simply the right ideas come at the right time and resonate with a market well and i think we're on that trajectory now just because of demographically you know the vw scene is mostly like i said earlier guys from their 30s 30s to 50 i don't want to say mostly but that's that's the primary demographic and with any any car level you'll see like the the tea buckets and all that stuff are, are really dropping in value because the guys that collect those are there a lot of them are leaving this earth, and, <laughs> especially the last few weeks. Yeah, and and you're not seeing the collectability. Those has dropped while <laughs> while seventies and sixties and seventies Camaros have gone up, and then the VWs, which is the guys that were teenagers, teenagers in the nineties, eighties and nineties, are the guys that are pursuing those cars to be built, and which is pushing the level because now, I and I think it's a different time because most of us we look at the guys that were a generation or two ahead of us and they had one car in their collection most of them had that one hot rod and they 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 either bought it done or finished it and they just sat there polishing the fender every week and the vw guy has like two or three cars now the guys the average collector and roll them. yeah and they drive them and they 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 work on them and they mod them and they do this kind of stuff and it's i think it started because they were so inexpensive and guys have held on to some stuff for a little while but you know, I think it's we're we're a this this age group of VW people is a little bit different because we've got multiple cars in our collections usually because they they they're they're fairly affordable. Yeah. I mean, in the scheme of spending forty thousand dollars for a Camaro, forty thousand bucks, you can buy two decent Volkswagens. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? A his and a hers, or a, a Type One and a Type Three, or a little bit of variety because even though. You know, there's there, there's so many that are the same. There's such enough variety in, in, in the model line that it's nice to have a few different ones. But I, the idea of stock is not necessarily a VW. There's certainly your purist, your stock purist mm-hmm. in VW. I, I and everybody's got their opinion, but when there's still millions of these cars out there, I really, you know, I, I've never had a problem um, 
modifying yeah, modifying a car. I, I I don't I don't lose sleep, you know, because of my you know, and again, it's it would be totally different if we we're, you know, talking about a, you know, rare Porsche or something like that that you didn't want it, but I I would cut that up too. Um, yeah, but, <laughs> you're sitting across from a guy who's got a 51 split with an ARM chassis right. on it. So, uh, yeah, but but even even that they're finding those left and right. So I mean, how rare is this stuff? Uh, you know, and and it's subject to you know your personal choice. I, I think that the Volkswagen is still a platform that you know, like you said, allows all of us to express absolutely um, our own creativity, and you can do these things. So so in that way, to kind of bring this full circle innovation is all over the place in this market and and that's really cool now to the extent that it can get to the market or that the people that are innovating um have the skills to kind of bring that to the next level that hasn't really been part of the deal um you know there's a lot of innovation and there's a lot of people that continue to do it wrong with great ideas and that's that's more of a business thing than it is a, a design thing. Uh, but you know, that, that does exist in our market and it tends to kind of trail behind what I think, uh, you know, uh, standard markets. And I don't necessarily know that, that it trails behind VW or, uh, behind Chevy and, and water cooled guys in, in that regards, because I, you know, I buy Porsche stuff, I buy all kinds of stuff and it, frankly, you I think I, a lot, of, a lot of it's hurting for certain, <laughs> Yeah, uh, I think I think that's a I think that's a big problem across all the the SEMA like industries. So, um, you know, it's it's it, it will change. It's going to change. We're we're going to push to change it for whatever power we have, which is very very small. Right. But but we'll put as much pressure on this to to kind of do things a different way as as we yeah, can. Yeah, I mean, when I'm talking about things like that, I'm talking about like, okay, what is the market clamoring for? The market's clamoring for. You know, it's it's so funny because they want they want one thing and they want another, and they're two different things, but they'd like to have them both together. In other words, uh, the the EFI stuff, right? So AJ's doing that setup for like twelve hundred bucks, I think it is twelve twelve to fourteen hundred bucks, but nobody really wants the look of a single carburetor. You know what I mean? Like that's the problem with that. Everybody likes the duels. Everybody likes the look of the duels. Or what well, I've often been a fan of because I love German look stuff. I've often been a fan of like the hidden throttle body behind the behind the fan shroud and just super clean, simplistic type stuff. But the reality <laughs> is, how do you get to where you can where, where someone can? Are are you in our uh, where meetings? someone can develop? <laughs> yeah. where, but, but, but what I mean, like if we're talking like hot hot button things, right? Like good quality, well engineered, inexpensive. Um. And what I mean by inexpensive is not a $4,000 brake kit, but like a $1,000, $1,500 brake kit. That's a good-looking brake kit that works decent where there's parts and pieces are out there. It just might take people to be able to cross. Or, I mean, me personally, I use Porsche brakes on my stuff. Like I use factory Porsche brakes, and uh, I have Lanner and Vida, with VW Engineering. He designed some parts and pieces for me. So like on the splits, get it. the split has Boxster calipers, Cayenne uh, rotors, and custom modified hubs to fit all that stuff onto it. But when I'm all said and done with it, you know, I'll be into it 2000 bucks, you know, 2000 couple, you know, a couple grand, but in the VW scene, it's like, okay, do you go get, do you go get an Impy brake kit? All right. Not to mention names, but we'll just grab Impy because it's there. Right. And you're stepping on the brakes and the car's slowing down. You're like, something's out around something's kind of and it's super annoying everybody's break kit does but, that. but you know what i mean we, like this was a conversation yeah. we had today actually but, but it's it's yeah so you know i, I think the scene and i shouldn't say everybody i haven't had kevin's 
uh, which is a break kit that I don't think would do that. Well, but. and 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 my thought is, you know, there's so there's so many different resources out there, and so many cross platform type things that the industry could use that I don't think anybody put, puts the, 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 the. I believe the industry is kind of like ah, it's good enough. Who cares? The custom guys will do. They'll, they'll go over the top and do whatever that they want to do. But I think low cost, flexible EFI setup should be doable where it's a turnkey package that the average user could do because the challenges you have most, we want to do it themselves. I, I, you know, we've looked at, we've looked at EFI and, and we're kind of working with a large company to um, kind of develop that. And, and we've talked to Adam about it, um, building a complete package, but in terms of the price, I don't, I don't know that that's, you know, low price, I don't know. That's really in the ballpark. I think we. Can, I think we can make something very, very cool. Uh, but but, and as but a, there's so many complexities to EFI. That, but as a consumer, I can say, you know, well, could there be le- different tiers? Like, hey, if you just want the brain and the harness, it's X. If you want, you got package A, B, C, and D. Because a lot of people like to do their own but stuff. What, what choice does anybody have right now? Because you can't even buy a carburetor that works. So I mean, I, I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if if, if you yeah. can't make a carburetor work and then we're we're in a lot of trouble, and th- that is the reality of of. Oh yeah, that was the first the first HPMXs that came out were like hot trash. I don't know that any of them have changed. Yeah, but well, I mean, I, they've they've changed them. I don't know that yeah. the end result has changed. And but. and a, and, a, and it kind of happens that way in the scene. The first thing that comes out is is kind of not the best thing to get, and then get something get something different. But I think you know if you're talking to me as Joe consumer and I'm thinking because still on the inside we're all VW guys, so we're all kind of cheap at heart. But when we got a few shekels to spend, like we'll spend them on the stuff. But I think key points going forward to be like a nice EFI setup, a good brake setup, like the same stuff you could go if you've got a '69 Camaro and you go to Detroit Speed and just start checking the boxes with the suspension parts or the fuel injection or the the you know the different parts and pieces and i and i think the engineering has has been missing the number is going to end up the sale number is going to end up for those items at a certain point um until you get a market until you start selling a ton of them and then you can actually bring the numbers down but everything right now some of these things are unknown just because we, we don't know we don't know how big the the market is so there's this 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 idea that the it's always the cheap it's always the cheap it's always the cheap but the reality is the cheap is the only thing available on Amazon right now and that that kind of is the place to buy things uh, in the world today mm-hmm. if it, if it, either it's sold there or it's not really sold and if you look at the numbers that's actually pretty darn close to the truth um, so it's it's hard to say because there's not there's really no competition out there and if you look I, I there's only one type of brake kit on Amazon. Uh, there's really, you know, a couple of carburetor choices. There's a couple of these and, things. And maybe part of the challenge is also that the variation of Volkswagens, I mean, for the average consumer, look like, you know, one bug, and there's, you know, five different general models that you're going to have from, like, your earliest to your mid-earliest to your to your mid-years to your lates to your super lates. So a simple brake kit's just not going to work like it because they're building stuff for a three-year run of a Chevy. You know what I mean? And we're doing, or you're trying to cover a, you know, a 30-year run of Volkswagens. And so there's that variation. But I think, you know, with the parts that I see you starting off with, like some of the eye candy, some of that stuff, they're cool, they're quality, I dig them. I'd love to see, uh, and I think you guys are headed for the direction of a little more, um, a little bit, 
more performance oriented uh, quality stuff that people are going to be glad to build. I mean, do you guys see in the future, like somebody having a car that's mostly Ross Wolf parts? I do. (laughs) I mean, would that be your dream? Ultimately at the end of this road, would it be like, I would love to see. It's every part I'm trying to design every part I want. Yeah. That's, that's, that's where I'm headed is every part I want. I'm going to build it. And then I'm going to have all that on my car. Yeah. So, um, and then for affordability, we're working with a company right now for a um, ignition system, mm-hmm. ignition bo- ignition box, and we are. I'm working on the design with them to lower the cost of it. And so this is a big company, and they don't. They, I mean, we see they're a big company, and they just can't. They didn't. They're spending way too much money on certain parts of the box that I can change <laughs> and help them out and lower the price. So I'm hoping we can go and step forward with other companies and do that with them and they as well. miss and they miss simple things it's like you know they build this huge box and uh you know they're, they're these things have an issue overheating and msd boxes have had that issue well, for, but i think msd says listen our market's the v8 market yeah. if we build if we have a four-cylinder thing we just build a four-cylinder thing and it'll just be universal and the vw is a little different because of it being air-cooled the ignition timing things to that extent there's, it's not. It's not such a, such a, just a crossover. Like their attitudes, like I'd cut four cylinders off and make it for those guys. But I think if they were to realize this huge market here that they're overlooking, I mean, they could sell. There's way more. There's way more VWs on the road than '69 Chevys. Yeah, currently. You know, yeah. There, there's more VWs on the road, I believe, than registered V8 American muscle cars. I would bet because the average individual. I mean, if you're talking about. Like you go to the classic when the classic was jamming, or, or you go well, you go to Prado. Two thousand cars are there, and that's just one deal. And it's and they they all range from show cars to whatever. But if you're talking, if somebody came to the market with a super affordable, guaranteed bang for your buck ignition box, you'd own the market. You know, and I think that's what happens. That's what I talked about with 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 uh, Phil in. in on the MB podcast because he came from that world. And I said, you know, I think the VW world is this whole world that's been overlooked by all the big product manufacturers that they've never given the time of day because it's always like, ah, eh, you know, that's a different animal altogether. And they've never thought about investing in that market, which is where we've always been shortchanged as, as a hobby. You know, we don't have the access to, super great things that these multi-million dollar companies can just snap their fingers and put into production that they could do if they realize the potential to tap into the market. And a lot of times it doesn't take a huge change to, to, to make it happen. As long as that, not at all, as long as that exists, then, then, then then you've got it. I I think we've reached out to uh, several of these manufacturers actually really happy with the kind of uh, success, early success that we've had with some some large companies uh, that don't normally deal in the Volkswagen world, that we actually spotted products that they had that we thought were a excellent fit, uh, you know, virtually plug and play if, if done right. Um, you know, I think we've had a great response from these people. Now it's it's time to execute that they have the same problems that you know, so here's here's the of our big players in the Volkswagen market. These guys have the same problem. So this is where it, it still comes back to right. all of these guys are a bit tone deaf. Yeah. They they don't really get it yet. The baby boomers run these companies, and they still don't really understand what is actually going on. Uh, you know, in these markets and what people expect. And uh, if you if you aren't actively seeking reviews and feedback. 
I don't know how you learn anything about what, what you're doing. And, and I, I think that you would find that all of these, these companies that really don't go after it, uh, are, are destined to make well, they're, terrible mistakes. Their their thought their thought process is that they're the eight hundred pound gorilla and people will buy what they make and that's it. Yeah, I mean, I I don't even know if it's that. I don't know. Again, that takes some kind of conscious knowledge of of doing something wrong. Well, these I, these people are literally going along during their day I, thinking that everything is is great. The sky is blue again today. It's perfect. Our customers love us. And I and I think and I think where I think where they're getting that from is they're better than the other guy who's worse than them. <laughs> honestly, I, I honestly believe that because because the reality is unless your desire is to continue to push innovation and deliver high quality stuff to be proud and not say like, well, yeah, that was a bad batch. Well, what happens when you sell a bad batch on Amazon? You replace it all. You know what I mean? And there's a you go, you go about finding everybody that's bought it, and, correct? And notify them. There's there's a desire to salvage your reputation, and I think you know, I think to some extent, you know, our our market's on an island, so it, it'd be refreshing to see people with the desire to come into the market to really deliver good quality product and to take to take the time to make sure that whatever they're contributing to the market, it's not a flash in the pan and it's something long-term to stay. Well, I, we've had it in the Volkswagen market. I mean, I, th I think, you know, if you, if you look in the past, there was a company that, that came up and started making parts that were better. And I think Berg did a great job of that. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, you know, unfortunate to see that that, you know, is just kind of, you know, not really been, um, pushed to, to modern <coughs> kind of levels and modern standards. Uh, but it, it has existed in this market. So it, it existed and people clamored for it and it still holds its it, it still holds a great reputation. They still make great products. No, with without question. And it's funny because back when I was building my car and, you know, my sixty three ragtop back in the day, um, you know, in the nineties, I was there with my face buried in the Gene Berg book and everybody's yep. like, I'd say, Oh yeah, Gene Berg says, and they're like, shut up, shut up, Bill. That's all you say is Gene Berg says, but Gene Berg had one constant thread and it was like quality, build the quality. Don't, you know, don't compromise for cost, spend the extra money and get the expect, the expected longevity because VWs originally were known for being hugely reliable. You know, that was the thing with Volkswagens yeah. and what monkeyed them all up is us, <laughs> us yeah. doing 12 volt conversions and stuff like that or narrowing that beams. Weren't, weren't meant to happen. Yeah. Yeah. They were, they were simple enough for us to work on them, but yet we, we like to do something. We like to get involved with them. But the reality is the core, I mean, my most reliable Volkswagens have been my stock ones that I go out to the garage after three months of not starting them. I turn the key, pump the gas twice and the thing just fires right up. But that market was marketing to people that were driving their car daily yeah and it's a different market now no we're not nobody's driving it now i do try and drive air cooled yeah. as daily as possible uh it's not something that is a daily driver i i drove my truck here um you know it's it's that's not our world i don't think that's you know that is a I shouldn't say that's not anybody's, but it, it, it's a very, very small percentage of, of people that are out there that yeah. rely on this vehicle day in, day out. They're, they're out there. The young guys. Uh, I mean, when I was when I was 17, 18, that's, that was my daily. was my bug, man. And it was like, 
I didn't even realize that I smelled like gas every place I showed up. It smelled like gas and exhaust. I, I worked construction in my butt, and I drove with a 40-foot extension ladder on the <laughs> roof rack, driving through the tide stage bumper on an angle, tied down the bumper, headed out to Chilliwack and stuff, and that was every day I drove that thing. So Yeah, but I think, you know, with, with, with so there's a, there's a majority of the people, like the young guys that are getting into it, they're still doing that. They're hardcore. They do the daily. Um, yeah. But... Uh, yeah, I think the cars now, and, th- and that's another thing that's going to be engineered in- into that with, you know, th- some of the fuels that are coming. Out. I think there's a gas station not far from here that sells like an ethanol-free fuel, so that you can put it in your show car, hot rod, off-road vehicle, and it can sit for a month or two and not turn to absolute garbage and gum up the entire fuel system. Because that's the other issue that we're having now with the lower quality of fuel. It's doing damage to cars that don't get driven on a regular basis. So. I don't know. Canada they're... still has ethanol-free gas, which is really nice. Yeah, we're, I mean, we're we're getting we're getting yep. to a point where I'm excited to see the innovation in the scene. I'm looking forward to a fresh product line being available. The the hobbies deserved it for a long time, you know, and I think sometimes people think they can just show up with something quick and people just buy it because it's flashier, it looks cool, or, or looks cool, but it doesn't really work and. And the the hobbyists deserve better than that, you know. So I, I'm excited to see what you guys are going to be bringing to the table. Um, it would be interesting to see over time what's going to take place. But I think you guys, from being involved in the scene and having a variety of cars, you guys know what what what's needed out there. So by supplying to the need and being able to make it accessible and quality, you know, well, we know what our need is. We yeah. just hope that we hope that resonates. You hope that with, you're in touch with everybody. Else. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, I, I think, uh, I think that, but it does, it starts with our bitch box. I mean, that, that's, that's really where, yeah. that's where yeah. it starts. I mean, and the innovation, you know, the, the first product that we came up with was the fender washer. And I, and I think that is, you know, a, a unique and oddball, you know, look at, at how to make a fender washer. Yeah. Uh, a rectangle fender washer is, you know, not something that you, you see the added benefit of that on a, on a beetle, um, is you get dead street, dead straight fender beating. And that's, and that's a, that's a big plus. Yeah. Well, there's lots of, I mean, there's, there's lots of room for innovation and, and design and development. And I think, you know, with some of your background having to be resourceful, and figuring out a way to make things happen because I know that while you're in your drywall business, if you had a product that people had a need for, but all you got was substandard product, then you had to start getting a little bit innovative or figuring out how to overcome the issue of a product that people like that was maybe not as good as it needed to be. You know what I mean? And, and yeah, absolutely. I mean, I went, I did go through that with uh, at one point. Uh, there was only really one manufacturer and they had the same kind of tone deaf attitude about, uh, about the product. They didn't change it. It was the de facto, uh, norm and, and asked for brand number one name brand in, in that business. And they literally hadn't changed their, their products since the early 1980s. And, you know, I'm, I came in in the 1990s and, you know, it's hard to sell something that is the same thing that you sold last year and then the year before. And if it's, if it's 20 years old and you're selling the same thing, it's without innovation, I don't know how you build a a market. So it was my, it was my push uh, in that industry to bring competition, to bring innovation to it. Uh, And it, you know, eventually um, you know, after kind of 10 years of pounding and them losing a significant market share, 
they started changing. They started bringing out innovation, uh, and the market flourished. Um, and it, you know, it's the same thing really with this is, you know, whether or not we will be the, the brand, you know, we don't know if the, the future holds that we're certainly going to push, uh, for that, but at minimum, you know, we're going to force people to, to, to think and, and, and move. And if there's enough pressure on, on this market, everybody will get a better product all the way around. Yeah. I think, and I think new products that come to the market kind of push, push people to kind of tighten up their game, you know? Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, competition always spurs, uh, it always spurs innovation, you know, should. Yeah. So you gotta, yep. you gotta move ahead. We'll see. Well, I appreciate having you guys on the podcast. I'm looking forward to some of the stuff. People want to get take a look at this stuff. The website is Ross R O S S W U L F RossWolf.com. Uh, go on their website. Check out the product line that's available now. There's going to be more be released on a consistent basis coming up. Uh, it's a lot of eye candy for your ride, and it's uh, it's decent quality stuff. I know that I'm going to be putting some on my split window. And uh, I look forward to some of this, some of this other stuff coming out. Are uh, you guys also? You guys are also on Instagram and Instagram uh, for Ross Wolf is uh, Ross Wolf forty six, and then uh, I have quite a few more, uh, quite a few followers on on my personal one, at least more than Ross Wolf. Uh, so mine is Lugbolt with a zero, mm-hmm. um, and you can see some of some of the cars that uh, that I work on, and and we're posting all kinds of Ross Wolf stuff on on both of those accounts. Very as cool. well as Facebook. Yeah. And uh and Jared. Uh Winton, Winton, Winton on Instagram. That's easy. And... That's a full nine thousand <laughs> characters. That was <laughs> let's leave, we're gonna leave the marketing up to Jason. <laughs> we'll let you design. <laughs> strong. Perfect. It's a strong name. Strong. A lot, lot of characters. <laughs> but uh, auto, auto Yeah, so you guys it. can follow Jared at Winton Winton Winton. Uh on Instagram and uh, Ross Wolf forty six on Instagram and also Lugbolt with a zero on Instagram. So give these guys a follow. Check out their product line. Tell them that uh, you'd heard about them on Let's Talk Dubs. And uh, we eighth, do have a lot of product available right now uh, that is actually ready for purchase. On ready Ross to ship. Dot com. Yeah. Well, guys, if you see something you like, get on there, order it up, and give them some reviews. Give them some feedback. Let them know what you think about their product because they definitely want to be customer conscious. You know, which is a huge deal. So anything, anything, anybody, you guys want to give shout outs to or any thanks to some people out there? Yeah, absolutely. I, so for me, a big shout out to Pete Aircooled. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been working him, with him for a long time. Um, so that's that, that's my biggest one in the industry. That's been kind of a, a, a friend and a, and a guy that uh, has, uh, I think, put out a lot of good product. Um, so cool, Jared. I'm a loner. <laughs> well, uh, Richard Ducharme, best yeah. interior guy out there. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Where, if, he, if he did interiors anymore, yeah, he does. Yeah, all right, well, he is the best. Well, uh, we appreciate having you guys on the podcast, man, and we'll uh, for sure as we unveil more product. Now, let's get you guys back on here for some quick uh, unveilings of some new product line that are coming out, and let's keep people up to date. And don't forget, guys, go check out rosswolf.com you can click on the details in this podcast there'll be a link to their website that you can go to i'll make life even easier for you and also uh don't forget to uh follow them on instagram at rosswolf46 so guys thank uh, you it's been a pleasure having you on man i appreciate you thank guys you. being here thank you all right guys thank you much. later 
Well, if you guys like that podcast, make sure you go to letstalkdubs.com, go to the store, support, buy some merch. Also, give us a review on Apple iTunes uh, on podcasts and also comment on our Facebook page and give us a shout out on Instagram. Uh, if you guys like everything you're hearing, don't forget, support your boy. Uh, next week, we'll be looking forward to another international guest. So stay tuned. You'll get some advance notice this week coming up and have a good weekend, guys. Until next time, man. Later. A Volkswagen is a nice station wagon to have around the house.